Welcome to the Calvary Assembly podcast with weekly messages from Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. Guys, we've been doing a series called At the Movies, and basically we're taking popular movies that came out and during the last year, and we're just finding the truth that is in those and seeing what we can learn, what Jesus can teach us from these movies. So, and you may say, well, why are we talking about these movies in church? Because these aren't necessarily Christian movies. Well, what are movies? They're stories, right? And what did Jesus teach with? Stories, parables, right? Jesus knows that a good story can capture our attention, right? And we can learn from it because it, it says in the Gospels that almost everywhere he went, he hardly ever taught without using a parable. And so this is the last in this series, but we've been talking about just some popular movies that have come out and, and kind of learning from them. Now, some of you who are my age and older remember back in 1980, I think it was 83, 84, this movie called Top Gun came out, and uh, it was uh, about naval aviators. And kind of a fun fact, I was looking, they said naval enlistment went up by multitudes after this movie came out. Some said 10 times over, some said 50 times over. Everybody wanted to be a naval aviator after watching Top Gun. And then the reality set in and, you know, they didn't all go, I'm sure. But Top Gun was a story about a young man, Pete Mitchell, who was trying to live into his dad's footsteps and kind of find his purpose. But he was kind of rebel. That's why they called him Maverick. You know, Maverick is someone who kind of does their own thing. And he was always in trouble, always pulling pranks, you know, buzzing the tower and all those things. Well, 34, 35 years later, this last summer, the sequel to that movie came out. And this sequel sees Maverick as an older gentleman now who is trying to find his place. He's dedicated to his country. He loves flying, but he doesn't really know where he fits because he's always in trouble, (laughs) as always. And so I'm going to show you the trailer for this, and then we'll kind of see where we're going. Thirty-plus years of service. Medals. Citations. Only man to shoot down three enemy planes in the last 40 years. Yet you can't get a promotion. You won't retire. Despite your best efforts, you refuse to die. should be at least a two-star admiral by now. Yet here you are, Captain. What is that? It's one of life's mysteries, sir.
The end is inevitable, Maverick. You're kind of set it for extinction. Maybe so, sir. But not today. If you haven't seen it, it is a great movie. A lot of great, great scenes in that. There is some language. It is a military movie, so I will tell you that. Uh, but great story. And I'm not going to spoil anything today. I won't, I'll try not to ruin any of it if you haven't seen it yet. I know some of you have seen it multiple times. Um, but it's a story of sacrifice and redemption. But more than that, this movie is a story about a man trying to find his purpose in life. Trying to find where he fits. And so in this movie, it sees Maverick come back to Top Gun, to the fighter school. And he's training the best of the best of the best young pilots to take on a really dangerous mission. And so through the movie, you see him training these guys and, and trying to become the teacher that he feels like he's supposed to be. But he says, I just want to manage expectations. I'm not a teacher. And so in Acts chapter 20, if you have your Bibles there, we see Paul, who is a man who knew his what? Purpose. Paul knew what God had called him to do. Uh, Paul has an incredible life of serving Jesus through hardships and through faithfulness. And in Acts chapter 20... If you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can go to the notes there uh, if you hit the events tab. But in Acts chapter 20, Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus, and he's kind of doing a goodbye tour because he's headed to Jerusalem. And he says, I know, he says, all throughout my trip, the Lord has told me, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that suffering and hardships lie in my future. But look at what he says in Acts 20, verse 24. It says, but my life is worth what? Nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Now, Paul has done some incredible things in his life, hasn't he? He wrote letters that have now become part of the New Testament. He's written over half of the New Testament by this point. He didn't know that. He knew he was writing letters to the church. But those letters went on to become what we call the New Testament. Paul has started churches in multiple locations. He's helped raise up new leaders. A young man named Timothy was his protege who became one of the leaders in the church. And so Paul's done incredible things, but he says, my life is worth nothing unless I use it to finish the task. And guys, so many of us spend our lives looking for what we want to do. So many of us look, and, and guys, I've known people who are older now who have spent their lives running from their purpose. I've met people who say, I just, I'm, I'm never happy. And I know it's because I'm not doing what God's called me to do. And then you find other people who are incredibly fulfilled, who may not have money and the things that a lot of us would like to have, but what do they have? Purpose. And they have peace because they said, I found what God has called me to do, and I'm doing it to the best of my ability, and I couldn't be happier. And so today I want to talk about how Pete Mitchell found some purpose in his life and how we can find purpose for our lives. So what can we learn from Paul? What can we learn from Maverick about how we can use our lives to fulfill the purpose? How can we make sure that our lives have meaning? Well, the first thing we learn here is that if we want our lives to matter, we must be willing to sacrifice. What did Paul say? My life is worth nothing unless I use it to finish the task that God has put before me. And so early in the movie, we see Maverick. He's flying a, an experimental jet. It's not super realistic, but he goes Mach 10. But it's funny, when they brought this prototype out of this jet, 
some of our enemies saw that on a spy satellite and thought we had some new super, supersonic aircraft, and they kind of panicked a little bit, and they found out it was a movie prop. But they said they had a lot of fun with it. The military messed with them a little bit with that. But he's going, and they were going to shut his program down because they weren't doing it fast enough, and all the people working on the program were going to put out of work. And he said, let's, let's try it. Let's try to hit this. And I love this line. They said, Maverick, you know what's going to happen to you if you do this? And he said, yeah, but I know what happens to all of us if I don't. He was willing to sacrifice. And that's what Paul said. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to finish the race before me. And so if we want to make our lives count, we have to prioritize our calling over our comfort. We have to prioritize our calling over our comfort. Paul was willing to suffer discomfort for the sake of his calling. If you read through the, gospel, or through the, the letters, the epistles, and the book of Acts also, Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was in prison. He was beaten and left for dead outside of town, and he managed to crawl back into town. Paul suffered a lot of hardships. And in Philippians, he says, I know what it's like to go with little, and I know what it's like to be fed. But he says, I know I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul was willing to take whatever he had to do for his calling. And guys, so many times it's we feel God telling us to do something, but sometimes we're not willing to do it because why? It makes us uncomfortable. Sometimes God asks us to do something that moves us outside of our comfort zone. We say, yeah, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> I know I've had times where the Lord has told me, go talk to this person. And I say, uh, they don't really like me. They don't like my type. They don't like preachers. I don't know that I want to do that. And sometimes I've been obedient. Sometimes I fought it. Guys, I've, I, I can be honest. I've had times I felt God tell me to go pray with someone when I was younger. And I remember I didn't do it, and I regretted it and regretted it later. So I've learned it's better just to obey and leave the consequences up to him. Am I still perfect? No, <laughs> not at all. But I'm trying to learn to be better at sacrificing comfort for the calling. I shared a few weeks ago about a couple of young ladies who moved from a, a really nice part of Colorado Springs into a, a really run-down area because they wanted to reach kids. They were willing to sacrifice their comfort for what they felt God was telling them to do. And so, guys, God might be talking to some of you today here in this room, some of you watching online. He may be saying, I want you to step out of that comfort zone and do this. And, guys, I can tell you, it's hard. How many of you have been on a mission trip that was totally outside your comfort zone? How many of you have ever taken a step of faith that was totally outside of your comfort zone? But was it worth it? Absolutely. It is when he's calling us. So if we want our lives to matter, we have to be willing to prioritize our calling over our comfort. And we have to believe what God says about us over what others say about us. Because some of you may have people in your lives, and when you tell them, I feel like God has told me to take this step of faith, what do they say? Are you nuts? Why would you do that? Why would you, why would you, why would you? And guys, sometimes it's because people are genuinely concerned about us. They think we're a little crazy. Sometimes people don't like us stepping outside of our comfort zone because it does what? It convicts them. It moves them outside their comfort zone. They would rather hold you back with them than to see you move forward. So we have to be willing to believe what the Lord says about us. I love that line in that movie, your kind is headed for extinction. And what does he say? Maybe, but not today. <laughs> he was willing to do something, to step out. And Paul was willing to suffer disgrace for the gospel. 
than to let his calling go to the side. Remember, the Apostle Paul was way up in the Jewish leadership, wasn't he? He was trained by the best of the best. He was on a fast track to become way up there. And then Jesus shows himself to Paul. And Paul took three years to learn. He said he went out into the desert, into Arabia, and he spent time learning and solidifying what he believed. And when he came out, remember people said, whoa, this is the guy that was trying to kill us, and now he wants to preach to us? What? Paul was more worried about what the Lord said about him than what others said. And if we're going to do that, we need to make sure that we're in that same place. I care more about what Jesus says about me than what other people say. Because sometimes when we step out of our comfort zone, people say things about us. And then we have to seek out our unique calling. And we have to seek out our unique calling. I heard a pastor named Gabe Colstead explain this better than probably anyone I've ever heard. But he says, calling is discovered, not created. I love that. He said, your calling is discovered, not created. We're not creating what God has for us. We're discovering. We're finding what God has for us. We have to find what God has. And, and guys, all of us have this, this overarching call, don't we? All of us have this global calling, and it's what Jesus said to us in Matthew 28, 18. He says, he came to his disciples and said, I've been given all authority on heaven and on earth. Therefore, what? Go and make disciples of all nations. We call that what? The Great Commission. And that's all of our unique, all of our purpose, isn't it? We all have that purpose to go and make disciples. We all have that purpose to raise people up in Jesus. But then all of us have this unique mission. We have this universal mission, the Great Commission, but each of us has a unique mission, something that God has created us to do. Guys, each and every one of you in this room has been given abilities. You've been given gifts. You've been given interests that other people don't have, and God created you just for that purpose. And that's what you have to seek out, this unique mission. Ephesians 2.10, I've, I've said it so many times, you're probably tired of hearing it. But it says, we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Who is that we? That's all of us. God created you and called you a masterpiece, and he has good things planned for you to do. Things that no one else can do like you can. We're all created different. And sometimes we try to fit in, don't we? We try to, to kind of merge with the crowd, but God didn't create us. He didn't create you. He didn't create me to fit in. He created you and me to do the works that he called us to do. And that's what we have to figure out. And throughout these two movies, that's what Maverick has been trying to do. And throughout his life, that's what Paul did. And Paul settled on that. He said, God called me to the Gentiles. And that's what I'm willing to do. And he said, my life is worth nothing unless I do that. And guys, each of us has something that God has created us to do. God has called us to do. And we have to be prepared to do that. We seek that out. And that's, when we find that, that's what makes our life worth doing, worth living, worth living well. And so for some of you, that unique purpose is going to be raising a godly family. For some of you, that's going to be working in a certain ministry. Youth ministry, kids ministry, women's ministry, men's ministry, men's women's encounter, missions, whatever that is, God has created you for that. You know, back in the early days of our movement, we had missionaries that went out in the early 1920s and 1930s. 
They said, God has called me to the mission field of Africa or the Middle East. And they would take off. And this is before we had the technology and things to do now. You know what they packed their stuff in? A coffin. They said, I'm not coming back. I'm going. So they packed a coffin with their stuff, slid in an airplane and went. And they said, I, I plan not to come back. I'm going to give my life. And guys, some of the missionaries that we have now in sensitive parts of the world are there because those forefathers went and literally put their blood in the ground so that the gospel could be advanced. Why would they do that? Because they knew. So guys, some of you, God has called you to raise up your family, to raise a Christian family, to change your family history. Some of you, God has called and said, hey, I've given you this unique talent. Use it. Do something with it. And some of those talents are speaking some of you, God has given the ability to serve, just to help, to encourage. God has given some of you the ability to teach. He's given you some of the ability to talk to people. You know, it's funny. Some people would rather die, literally die, than stand up in front of people and talk, whether it's a big group or a small group. And so God has given us all different abilities, and we have to find those. And then if we want our lives to matter, we have to be willing to take part in his mission. We have to be willing to take part in what he has called us to do. We have to be willing to put aside our own ambitions and to adopt his ambitions. And do what he's called us to do. We have to be willing to put aside our own ambitions. What does that mean? I have to put my plans aside. How many of you are planners? You like to plan things out. Yeah, you have an agenda, right? Some of you have lists. Some of you have lists of your lists. You have a master list of how many lists you have, right? And you lose that list, right? But we have to be willing to set those things aside. And guys, like I said earlier, Paul had been training his entire life to do what he thought was his mission. Paul had been putting in time to become one of the religious elite. In Acts 22, verses 1 through 10, he says he's defending himself after he was arrested for sharing Jesus. And he says, brothers and esteemed fathers, listen to me as I offer my defense. This is Acts 22. And he says, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. That would have made people go, because <gasps> Gamaliel was the teacher of the teachers. He was like going to Harvard or Yale. He says, I was brought up under him. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. And I persecuted the followers of the way, that is Christianity, hounding some of them to death, arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison. The high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so, for I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished." And as I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. I fell to the ground. I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord, I asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. The people with me saw the light, but they didn't understand the voice speaking to me. I asked, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord said, get up and go into Damascus, and there you'll be told everything you are to do. Then he told me, listen, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to follow his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. After I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple. I fell into a trance. 
And I saw a vision of Jesus saying to me, hurry, leave Jerusalem, for the people here won't accept your testimony about me. But Lord, I argued, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And I was in complete agreement when your witness Stephen was killed. I stood and kept the coats they took off as he stoned him. But the Lord said to me, I am going to send you far away to the Gentiles. So God called Paul and he said, I want you to go to the Gentiles. And this went against everything that Paul believed growing up. Everything he believed. And he was willing to throw all that away and adopt the ambitions that God had for him. He was a star and he was willing to give that up. And guys, if we want our lives to matter, we have to be willing to give up some things. We have to be willing to give up some of our plans, our ideas, and adopt his. And sometimes that means you have to give up a certain way of life maybe. That may mean that God wants you to give more than you're comfortable giving. That may mean that God wants you to serve somewhere that you wouldn't be comfortable serving. And we have to be willing to use our past experiences to further his cause. Guys, think about this. Our past pain can be used for a future ministry. The things that you've gone through in life, God can turn around and use so you can minister to others. Listen again to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all what? Comfort. He's the source of all what? Comfort. He's able to comfort us in all our troubles so we can comfort others. When they're troubled, listen to this, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer in Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. So guys, some of you are here and you've had incredible hurts in your life. People have hurt you. People have said things about you. You've gone through situations that maybe you caused, maybe you didn't, but you've had all kinds of pain. And God can take that pain and turn it into a ministry. That's what we see in this movie. Maverick took this pain. He lost his very best friend in a training mission one time. And then, I won't spoil the, the movie, but his son ends up becoming, his best friend's son is one of the kids he has to train. And so he had to use that pain to find out what God had called him to do, his purpose. And he didn't acknowledge the Lord in it, but it was his purpose. And guys, the same thing can happen. Some of you have gone through divorces. Some of you have gone through abuse. Some of you have gone through physical problems. And God can take those things and turn around and use them to help others in that same situation. How many of you have ever said, Lord, why am I going through this? <laughs> you ever been there? This is not supposed to be this way. I think the ladies actually did a Bible study called that. It's not supposed to be this. This is not how life is supposed to be. But maybe God wants to take that not supposed to be and use you to help someone else that's going through the same thing. I remember when Amy and I got married, she'd always said, I, I want to marry someone who comes from a great family and very stable. And that was not me. I had a great family, but it wasn't stable. There was a lot of things that happened in my family. And we were, she was always kind of like, why did you bring me this mess? You know, like, Lord, why? But then when we got into youth ministry, it was funny because she could, she could talk to these kids who grew up in church and had a great life. And I was always kind of of the opinion, what are you whining about? Like, why are you crying about this? Suck it up, you know? And she was able to empathize. But then other kids would come who had similar backgrounds to mine. And I was able to empathize with them and pray with them. I know exactly what you're going through because I've been there, Right? 
And Elder said, why? Why did this have to happen? And God said, let me show you. And so some of you guys are here today, and God wants to take that pain that you don't talk about, that pain that maybe you haven't told others about, and use it to minister to someone else. That could be one of your purposes. And we have to be willing to do something. I know you're saying, wow, that's deep. <laughs> but you know how many of us are content to sit on the sidelines? It's easy to, to sit on the side and watch, right? But God wants us to get out and do something with what he has given us. There's a whole parable that's in several of the Gospels called the, what? The parable of the talents. And God had given these people gifts and he expected them to use it. And guys, he has expected us to do what he wants. And Paul said, you know what? I know I'm supposed to go to Caesar. And I'm supposed to witness to Caesar. And the only way I'm going to do that is in prison. And he was willing to go through prison to sit inside house arrest, sometimes even a jail cell, and even be in prison on a ship to get there. He said, I'm willing to do something even though I know it's going to hurt. That's why I said, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it to fulfill the purpose he's given. And then lastly, if we want our lives to matter, we have to be prepared to fight. Because what happens, guys? As soon as we make our lives start mattering, what does the enemy do? He comes after us, doesn't he? As soon as you start doing something with your life, the enemy is going to come after you. There's a scene in this movie where Maverick is <clears throat> training these young hotshot pilots. And he says, I'm going to train you to fight the way that I've learned to fight. And, you know, these kids are the best of the best. They said, oh, he's an old man. What's he going to do? So I'm going to show you this little scene here. There is a little audio glitch in here at the end. But I'm going to show you the scene of him training these guys how to do dogfighting. Welcome to Basic Fighter Maneuvers. As briefed, today's exercise is dogfighting. Guns only, no missiles. We do not go below the hard deck of 5,000 feet. Working as a team, you have to shoot me down or else. Or else what, sir? Or else I shoot back. If I shoot either one of you down, you both lose. This guy needs an ego check. We'll see to that. Sir, what's say he put some skin in the game? What do you have in mind? Whoever gets shot down first has to do 200 push-ups. <laughs> Guys, that's a lot of push-ups. Well, uh, they don't call it an exercise for nothing, sir. You got yourself a deal, gentlemen. Lights on. Let's turn and burn. Fanboy, you see him? Not be on the radar up ahead. He must be somewhere behind us. That was it. He uh, made life a little interesting for him, and they did a lot of push-ups, as young guys did. So he was willing to get in there and to fight to train them. And guys, God loves us so much that when we're willing to do something, he allows us to go through some struggles sometimes, doesn't he? Sometimes we bring the struggles on ourselves. Sometimes the enemy brings them on us. But as soon as you start doing something, as soon as I start doing something to make my life matter, a fight's coming. As soon as we start making a difference, the enemy is going to start fighting back. And Paul saw this in his own life. The very people he called friends, the religious elite, started coming after him and trying to kill him over and over and over again. He knew as soon as he, he accepted Christ and started going, spiritual attacks were going to come. And spiritual attacks can come through supernatural means. Sometimes spiritual attacks come through people. 
Sometimes spiritual attacks come through the people who love you the most or you love the most. These things happen, and sometimes we say, oh, Lord, why? But he's helping us become stronger because coming up against opposition builds character and makes us stronger. My kids get so tired of hearing me say that. This is building character. <laughs> this is making you a better person. Raking leaves makes you better. <laughs> Cleaning gutters makes you a better person, right? And God does that in our lives. He brings opposition sometimes to make us stronger. Look at what James 1 says. James, a brother of Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any time come your way, consider an opportunity for what? Great joy. What? James, are you crazy? When opposition comes, I'm supposed to consider an opportunity for joy. Why? Well, because when you know your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Guys, when opposition comes, when we, when we take that opposition head on, we grow. Our faith grows. Our endurance grows. Because if you're not tested, you're not growing. Isn't that fun? <laughs> but when opposition comes, we grow when we learn from it. Now, sometimes opposition comes and we don't learn from it and we get to face it again and again and again until we get it right, which is what he did with these kids. He kept shooting them down, letting them do push-ups until they figured it out. And guys, that's what happens when we don't learn the lesson. Sometimes the lesson comes back around. I know I've had a few times, Lord, why am I facing this again? Because well, I was hard-headed and I wasn't learning the lesson right? So we learn. And facing opposition will build our faith because when attacks come, we have to trust the Lord to carry us through. And when you have nowhere else to go but Jesus, you learn to trust him more, don't you? We learn. And that builds our trust and it keeps us focused on fulfilling his purpose. So I'm going to ask the worship team if they would come up again this morning and if you're physically able, would you stand this morning? We want to take a few minutes here to pray about some of these things that the Lord might be speaking to us today. Now, some of you are here this morning, some of you are watching online today, and you say, you know, I've got this down. I'm living my purpose. I am laser focused. I am, I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to trust. I, I have this down. And I'm in the middle of this. Some of us are here and we say, you know, I've got some learning to do. And so maybe the Lord is speaking to you this morning about being willing to sacrifice a little bit of comfort, being able to sacrifice a little bit of our own plans to take part in what he has. Some of us might be here and we've, we've been holding on to an aspect of our life saying, Lord, I, this is mine. I don't want to give this up. And say, just, just trust. Some of us are here, but we're on the sidelines. We're not really taking a part in the mission. Maybe we know our gifts, we know our abilities, but we just haven't really stepped in. Maybe God's speaking to you this morning saying, I want you to step into the, to the mission. You might be here today, you may say, you know, I'm here, but I am in the middle of a fight. <laughs> I'm doing what God's called me to do, but man, the enemy is coming after me and I just need someone to pray with me. We'll do that too. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? If you're here this morning, you say, you know, Pastor Rex, I'm not really in this today because I don't really have a, a relationship with Jesus yet. I've never asked him to come into my life and, and forgive my sins and, 
do what Paul did and, and take part in this. But maybe the Lord's speaking to you this morning and saying, you know, I want you to, to commit. I want you to, to take part. So if you're here this morning and you say, you know, Pastor Rick, I really don't have a relationship with Christ, but I want to take that step today. Would you slip your hand up right where you're at? We want to pray with you right where you are. All right. We want to pray this prayer together with those that raise their hands. And this is just simply you talking to Jesus. Because the Bible says when we confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved, we will be forgiven. So I ask you to repeat this prayer with me this morning. Say, dear Jesus, thank you so much for loving me. Thank you for coming to this earth and dying in my place, paying the debt that I couldn't pay. And I admit that I've sinned. Please forgive me. Please come into my life and make me new. Help me to live for you every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, the Bible says if you pray that prayer that Jesus comes in and makes you a brand new creation, all that old is gone, and we can start living this life for this purpose.